What's up, Wellspring? Make some noise. Are you happy to be here this morning? It is great to be back. I love the opportunity to come and preach God's word at Wellspring Church. I feel like your crazy cousin, um, and I'm just happy to be here and be a part of it. I love because whenever I walk in this place, whether it's been a long time or not so long, I always feel at home. I always feel cared for and loved here. And I think it's a testimony of the leadership that you guys have at this church. So I want to just show some appreciation to the leaders of Wellspring. Love you guys so much. Man, I, I love the story that Graham shared about how that, that little craft really made a huge difference in the eternity of someone else. And I want you guys to recognize that God can use big things, but God can also use little things that you think don't matter to make a difference for the kingdom of God. I know in my own, my own faith journey, my father came to faith in Jesus Christ because he was walking through a carnival and someone handed him a little piece of paper that said, how do you want to find happiness? And it talked about Jesus Christ. And because of that, uh, faith was passed down through our family. It was that little piece of paper that made a difference into why I'm standing here today. So don't discredit the little things because God wants to use you in every season of your life to make a difference for him. I, I, we sang the song, um, It Is Well. And if you've been around church for a long time, you know that our rendition is a little bit newer than the original hymn. And I want to talk about the story behind it as well. There was a guy named Horatio Spafford. Um, it's an interesting name, but it was good. Who was a successful lawyer and a businessman in Chicago. He had a wife named Anna, and he had five kids. However, they were no strangers to tears and tragedy. Some of you guys, that's your family story. You're like, come to my house for five minutes, and look what I have to live with. Okay, <laughs> or look what we've been through. Some of you guys, it's been thing after thing after thing, right? It's been one tragedy after the next. Well, this was Horatio's story, his family story. But what's interesting is, is that even though sometimes we go through things, what makes a difference is, is if we allow those things to change the identity of who we are. Because we can go through a season, but not let that season change who we are. Does that make sense? We could go through a rough patch, but not like that rough patch have control of our life. Everybody with me? So that was Horatio. His first son died in 1871 from pneumonia. And that same year, their business was lost during the Chicago fire. And over the next couple of years, they were able to rebuild their business. And they decided they were going to take a trek over to Europe. And back then, we used boats to get across the Atlantic Ocean. And there was a French ocean liner on November 21st that set sail from the United States to Europe with 313 passengers on board. Among the passengers were Horatio's wife, Anna, and, her, and their four daughters. Um, Horatio decided to stay back because he had to deal with some business matters, and his goal was to meet up with his family on the other side of the ocean um, in a couple of weeks when he took the next ship. Pretty good, right? Not so good. About four days into the crossing of the Atlantic, the ocean liner collided with another ship. And suddenly, all those on board were in grave danger. Anna hurriedly brought four of her children to the deck. She knelt there with Annie, Margaret, Bessie, and Tanetta, and prayed that God would spare them, if, if it could be his will, or make them willing to endure whatever awaited them. Within approximately 12 minutes, the ship slipped beneath the dock waters of the Atlantic, carrying 226 of those passengers, including all four of Horatio's and Anna's daughters. A sailor rowing a small boat came by the spot and spotted a woman floating on a piece of wreckage. It was Anna. She was still alive. He pulled her into the boat, and they were picked up by another large vessel, which nine days later landed them to the other side. 
Anna sent a telegram <laughs> home to Horatio that said this, saved alone, what shall I do? Saved alone, what shall I do? Have you, have you ever gotten bad news before? Mr. Spafford looked, booked the next passage, the next available ship, then left to join his grieving wife. With the ship about four days out, the captain called him to his cabin and told him that they were about to uh, go over the place where his daughters perished. According to a daughter that was born far after this tragedy, she said that her father wrote, it is well with my soul right on that moment. In the midst of tragedy, the last thing that we will often say is, it is well, or it's going to be okay. I mean, we might say it's going to be okay, but do we really believe it's going to be okay? I, I, for sure, I'm not going to say it is well. I mean, for most of us, we probably would have saw Horatio's reaction as being unnatural. <laughs> like, aren't you mad at God? All four of your daughters just died. Aren't you angry at the situation? Aren't you grieving? Aren't you freaking out? Aren't you mad at the ocean liner? Aren't you calling your lawyer? It's 2019. You know, who are we going to sue? Like, aren't you upset? But the Spafford's response wasn't natural. Get this, guys. It was supernatural. Amen. And this is what he says. He said, it is well with my soul because he trusted that God was going to provide and heal him through this process. My question this morning before we even jump into the text is, how can we have that same faith? I don't know about you, but if I was in his shoes, I probably wouldn't respond the same way. To look out at our situations and say, not in my power, but in God's power. Not in my strength, but in God's strength. To stand out, to live against the grain. Because there's a lot of people in our lives that like to give opinions about what we're going through, right? Oh, you should do this. You should call this person. You should tell them this. And sometimes people, people who are trying to encourage you are actually hurting you. Does that make sense? And so they say something that may sound good, but it actually isn't good for you. Not everything that sounds good is good. And so how do we worship when others quit? How do we love when others hate? How do we run when others run out? What kind of faith is this that he demonstrates? What kind of religion is this? What kind of relationship is this? It's a relationship that says, I see what's dead, and I want to make it alive again. It's a relationship that says, I see you're hurting, and I want to walk you through this. It says that I see you're alone, and I never want you to feel alone again. Man, this relationship is so important that it's the very core of what we believe here at Wellspring. It's the whole purpose for everything we do. It's the whole purpose for us renting out this building. It's the whole purpose for all the events and activities. It's the whole thing. If you show up and you miss this, man, we're not doing our job. The whole thing lands on a relationship, and his name is Jesus. Amen. And I don't know about you, but when Jesus changes your life, you are transformed by ever, forever. Do I have anybody in this room who's been transformed by Jesus this morning? Good, five of us. That's great. Come on, 1030. But see, for some of us in the room, we're not quite sure what that even looks like. Like, we're not quite sure what a relationship with Jesus is. And even for others, man, we've been around church for so long, we've lost the importance of it. We see Jesus as being something we spend time with for a couple hours on a Sunday or at a small group during the week or when things go bad. We don't see him as someone part of our life every single moment. I wonder, where is your importance this morning? Are you putting your emphasis 
on what you're going through or how Jesus could lead you through that situation. So many of us pray the prayer, God, where are you? And God's telling you, listen, I'm right here. You're just ignoring me. God, can you show up in this situation? He's like, dude, I was there before you even knew about that situation. I believe that God puts you in the seats you're in this morning next to the people you're next to for a reason. Some of you guys, yeah, no duh, I drove them here. But you know what I mean. Before this building was even here, God knew Wellspring Church would be in it. Listen, there are people next week at this Halloween thing that you guys are going to be doing, at this parade, they're going to come to know Jesus, and Jesus is going to be like, yeah, I already knew that. I already knew those people were going to show up. I already knew they were going to do a little crap. I already knew that you would talk to them, and you would find out that you guys have the same story, because since the beginning of time, I have been preparing you, Wellspring, for such a time as this. Some of you guys are like, why did I go through that addiction? Why did I go through that loss? Why did I go through that breakup? Because God's going to use it to do things far beyond what that pain caused you. He's going to do it to do things that's going to set people free, that's going to set people up, that's going to bring people eternity. Man, our job is not just to get people to heaven. It's to bring heaven down the earth. And that's what this church is all about. Amen? That was free. That wasn't part of the sermon, but I'll say it anyway. John chapter 1, you guys ready? We see in John chapter 1 that Jesus is talking, that God, uh, Jesus is being talked about as the Word becoming flesh. The Word becoming flesh. And in fact, before Jesus arrives in the scene, God sent a man named John the Baptist. Everybody say John the Baptist. John was not a Baptist. <laughs> John uh, his last name was not the Baptist. Just like, believe it or not, Jesus' last name is not Christ. I don't know if you guys knew that, but that's a fun fact. John the Baptist, but they called him John the Baptist because John was known for baptizing people. My question this morning is, what are you known for? You known as Sally the Gossip? You know, are you known for, for what are you known for? Man, they knew John as John the Baptist. John, that guy, he's a, he's a man of God. He loves God. He's out there baptizing people. He's out there preaching God's word. Man, what are you known by? Listen, at the end of my life, I hope I'm known more, people know more about Jesus than about me. I'm not that great, just to be honest. I'm really not. I'm an average dude, but with an above average God who's able to do something amazing through me. Listen, I'm just nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody. Amen. I'll say that again. I'm just nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody. And we mean anybody. John was an interesting dude, though. He wore animal skins and ate bugs. Literally, the Bible says that, that John wore skins of animals, ate locusts and honey. John was the original hipster, okay? Before it was cool, I believe John had a man bun. I totally believe it. And a beard. That was John. Interesting dude. God can use hipsters for the kingdom. Amen? All the hipsters said, yeah. All right. All right. It's clear in John 1.8, though, that John the Baptist was not the answer. And that's the thing. Remember, we are not the answers to people's problems. God may use you to help others, but you're not the solution. Don't put that pressure on yourself of, well, I've got to tell them the gospel because if I don't tell them the gospel, nobody else will. And God, I have to do this. I have to do this. Or I have to fix their problems. I have to figure it out. Listen, God don't need you, but he chooses to use you. And that's the perspective we need to have. God can snap his fingers right now and end this whole game. Be done with it all. Be over with. But God's no, no, no. I see something in my creation. I see something in my people. And I want to use you for the kingdom. Remember, we are not the answer to people's problems. John's job was not to be the light, but to bear witness and tell others about the light. When we say that we are salt and light in the world, that we want to be a light 
in a dark place, man, it is not about trying to build up my name. It's about trying to build up his name. It's about trying to point people towards Jesus. Don't think that God has called you to be the savior of the world. Instead, he's called you to point others towards him. I want to look at John chapter 1, verse 9. It says, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. I want to break this down for you. It says, the true light, everybody say true light, light. which gives light to everyone, everybody say everyone, everyone, was coming into the world. I want to look at two things. One, true light. If it's the true light, that means there's a lot of fake lights. Get that. A lot of people who say they're in charge, a lot of people who claim to be God, a lot of people to claim to have it all figured out. Jesus says, no, no, no. All those people think they're the light. I'm the true light. Understand that there will be people in your life who think they have all the right answers to all your problems. Here's the five easy steps to be happy. Here's the 13 (laughs) reasons why you should do this. Here's this, 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 and this, and this. Man, we got to be careful and recognize that there should only be one light that we're chasing after. Man can say good things. God says great things. Man may say something that is powerful. God says stuff that moves stinking mountains. Listen, uh, uh, the best preachers are the people who be quiet and let God speak. Get that this morning. He is the true light. But here's the second part about this. It says he gives light to who? Everyone. That means the people you don't like. Like for real. Like the person who walks slow in the grocery store. And they know they can move so you could get around and you got your car and you're saying, in Jesus' name, if I just tap them a little bit. <laughs> or my favorite, the people who like to talk on speakerphone at the store. You ever have that happen? You're hearing about, you know, Sally's coming down for the weekend and you're hearing their whole conversation. Um, but it also means this. It means the person who bullies your kid at school. That person that broke your heart, that cheated on you, that divorced you. That kid who abandoned you, that person who abused you, that person who used to uh, help you abuse yourself by selling you drugs, the person who enabled you, the people who you have pushed aside. Listen, it says that Jesus is the true life, which gives light to who? Everyone. Everyone. And for some of us in here, we need to recognize that everyone also means you. Some of you guys are like, man, I'm, I, I come to church every so often because I just need something to kind of just help me get through the week. But I know I'm too messed up for God. I know I've got too much going on for God. I, I, I don't have my life together. And you know what? When I get everything together, then I'll give my life to Jesus. When I figure all my stuff out, then I'll give my life to Jesus. You want to know the key to figuring out everything? Getting all your stuff together? Start with Jesus. Jesus takes you as you are and transforms you. You don't have to clean up your act to get to Jesus. Jesus is like, bring me the mess. Bring me all of it. I want all of it. I want the stuff you're ashamed of. I want the stuff you're afraid of. And I still love you. Jesus accepts you when everybody else rejects you. And we've got to start living a life like that. He is the true light, which gives light to everyone coming in the world. Martin Luther King Jr. says this, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. So it's light and love. Everybody say light and love. I don't think we have to spend much time convincing each other that the world we live in is a dark place, right? I'll give you 15 minutes watching any major news station. You're going to see disease. You're going to see destruction. You're going to see violence. You're going to see poverty. 
whether it's uh, people struggling with hunger, whether it's another school shooting, whether it's racism in our own country, regardless of what it is, addiction, you will find it front and center that there is a devil who is alive and well, but there is a God who is much stronger. See, behind every tragedy, there's a redemption story. But a lot of times, we like to, as Christians, we focus on all the bad things going on in the world. Oh, my goodness, look at this person. Oh, are they saved enough to write Christian music yet? Oh, anybody listen to the new Kanye album as you walked in this morning? Man, if God can do, someone through, the, if God can do something through anybody, anybody, and who are you to say, man, I don't know if they're saved enough. Man, I hope I'm saved enough because my salvation is not based off of me. My salvation is based off of him. And Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and heavily laden, and I will give you rest. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you will be saved. Jesus, you're Lord. I am saved. I don't have to act perfect. I don't have to get it all together, man. My salvation is a process. And so I encourage you this morning that you would recognize that even though we live in a dark world, God still desires to do something powerful there. But here's what happens is we see that Jesus, if Jesus is coming into the light of the world, that he is the light. Go back one slide for me. If you, you sleep, Jonathan, go, thank you. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming in the world. If Jesus is the true light coming into the world, well, that's incredible news. Because when we look at a dark world, we're looking for a hope. And Jesus says, I am the hope giver. I am the hope dealer. I am the one to give, bring hope to this world. But the problem is, is even though Jesus is a good thing, we learn in the next part of the verse that Jesus wasn't received that well. How many of us know that sometimes the things we need most aren't always the things we want? Sometimes the things you need most aren't always the things you want. Sometimes the best things for us aren't the most comfortable things. And so in John chapter 1, verse 10, it says this, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Catch that. He was in the world. The world was made through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and to his own people did not receive him. I like the Amplified translation. It says this, verse 11. It says, he came to that which was his own, that which belonged to him, his world, his creation, his possession, and those who were his people, the Jewish nation, did not receive and welcome him. Jesus showed up, and he goes, man, all this is mine, and everyone's going, Jesus who? And we show up to church, I feel like we play the same card. Well, God, I'll let you kind of come into my life, but I'm going to push you back with these things. Jesus is saying, yo, this is my world. This is my life. This is my spirit in you. But he is rejected by man. There's a story about a man and woman named Rich and Patty, and they go, and they were uh, adopting a little girl named Olana. And Olana lived in a foreign nation in a developing country. And after two years of effort and paperwork, they were able to finally travel to that country to adopt their little girl. But what was tragic about this is the uh, adoption process. When they go to the courts, this is what the judge read. This is a, a, a little excerpt. Insasmuch as Olana is orphaned and unwanted by any family in this country, inasmuch as no citizen of this country wishes to have Olana, when this was recited and the custody was given to Rich and Patty, the loving couple dropped to their knees, hugged their new daughter, and promised you will never have to hear the word unwanted spoken over you again. One of the worst feelings in the world is feeling that you're unwanted. I want to highlight something that she said. She goes, you will never have the world word unwanted 
spoken over you again. I think sometimes people say things to you, and then say, people say things over you, and I think there's a difference. When someone tells you enough that you're worthless, even though you may not believe it, if they say it long enough, you believe it. Everybody got me? Man, I'm not good enough. My, I can't get that promotion. I can never do anything right. I can never pass that test. I am not good enough. I am unwanted. I am rejected. You come home and you always fight with your parents and you feel rejected. You show up at school and you feel rejected. You, are, you, you talk to your spouse and you guys just can't figure things out. And so there's this idea of rejection. Listen, the devil loves rejection. The devil loves rejection because if he can get someone to speak enough over you that draws you away from Jesus, then in that gap, he could do whatever he wants with you. Some of us need to have some people in our life that will speak truth over us, that remind us that we are sons and daughters of God, that we might not have it all together, but that God sees us where we're at and loves us all the same. I was sitting right here with my best friend, one of my best friends in the whole world, Jordan, your youth pastor here at Wellspring, amazing guy. And he reached over to me and he prayed for me and just spoke truth over me that God would use this message, that people's hearts would be turned to Jesus. Man, you need some people in your life that will speak truth over you. And the people who are speaking lives over you, they got to go. They got to go. You need people that are going to remind you who you are in Jesus, who you are created to be. You'll find, though, there's a lot of people in the world that are quick to say mean things but not quick to compliment you. We live in a generation where compliments are weird, for real. Try to say something nice to someone in the store. Random person, they're going to think you're trying to rob them. Huh. <laughs> you look lovely or hit on them, one of the two. <laughs> Man. When they arrived back home in Tennessee, Rich and Patty with their daughter, this is what she said to them. She said, you and I are unwanted or orphans in a hostile universe. Get this. Dearly loved, sought after, and claimed, we are God's children. We have been given Christ's name as our own. We are secure because of him. On the authority of Jesus, we rest in confidence that we are more precious than we dare dream. When we read this passage and we see that Jesus was unwanted and unwelcomed by many, you could go as far to say that this is tragic news. Because during that time, if you saw Jesus and you knew who he was, and yet he was rejected... It doesn't look too good, does it? But the interesting thing, part about us is we live in a generation where you have every translation of the Bible on your phone. You can literally push a button and it'll start reading it to you. You can get a cute little Instagram picture to post on your social media. Like it's, it's that easy. But here's the thing. A lot of times, guys, when we go through trial and situation in our life, we look at that trial and situation and we don't look past it. And so if you look at this trial and situation, you go, oh my gosh, Jesus was rejected. That's it. He's unwanted. That's it. That's the end of the story. It ends here. It's over. But if you read the whole story, we know there's a different ending, right? Man, how many of your stories have you given up on because you just looked at the one thing? I don't know about you, but oftentimes I don't see God looking straight ahead. I see God when I look behind me. What has he done back then? What did he save me from back then? What were those things a couple years ago that I prayed for that God actually showed up on? Man, a lot of us want to see God fix a situation now. God's going, listen, if I could do all that, then I can do this. Amen? John 1, 12 says this. But to all who did receive him. You see, there's a turn. There's some that will reject, and there's some that will receive. For all who did receive them, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. 
John writes that people would not welcome Jesus, but in verse 12, we see a different story. Not only would, would people welcome Jesus, but God would welcome them. Some of you guys feel like, man, God doesn't want me the way I am. God is welcoming you this morning. He says, not only will I welcome you, but you will become children of God. You will be adopted in to my family. Some of us in this room, our family growing up wasn't the best thing. Wasn't something we'd want to wish on anybody else. Maybe your family situation right now, you're not proud of. Listen, regardless of what your family situation is, through the grace of Jesus Christ, you're going to be adopted into a family that will be there. That's what Wellspring Church is. This is not a place where you come on a, on a Sunday for an hour, you drink some coffee, you sing some songs, you hear a good word, and you go home. Oh, no, no. There are people in this life who will keep your head above water, who will help you stay alive, who will help you get through the thing. The people that you want to speak life over you are the people in this room because they're going to walk with you every step of the way. Too many of us think we can figure out life on our own. Jesus says, no, no, no. I will walk beside you, and I'm going to bring people around you as well that are going to point you towards me. In South Africa, Johannesburg, there's a church, and in the wall of this church outside is this door, and it's called the Door of Hope. And it's a crazy, crazy city. Johannesburg is, has, has issues forever and ever, and what they were finding is for a long time that when uh, moms would have kids and they weren't able to take care of them or they were sick or something would happen to the mother instead of family taking in the child they would abandon them they would abandon them on the streets and they would literally find babies that were diseased that were dying of starvation all kinds of things and so this church created this door of hope which literally is a door and on the other side of the door is a box and it was a place that women who really felt that they could not handle it could bring their baby and lay it in that bin and it would be taken care of by people from the church who would love and care for that child. Now this mission is saving over 100 babies a year. That's a pretty incredible door. Imagine if I could figure out the story of every kid who, could put it, who was put in that door. Here's the thing. I, I know of another door that takes people who feel unwanted. That takes people who feel hopeless. That takes people who feel alone. That saves lives and brings hope. The door, though, isn't really an actual door. It's more of a person, and his name is Jesus. Because Jesus, what he does is he brings you in when everybody else has forsaken you. When everybody else has turned their back on you. When you're sick and tired of sitting in your car at 3 a.m., crying your eyes out and feeling alone, Jesus is right there beside you. When you're tired of being alone, when you're tired of being afraid, Jesus says, come, I have my door open for you you. It's the door of hope. He takes the unwanted. He takes the ones that are broken. And as we kick off this fall series talking about relationships, we have to recognize that the greatest relationship of all sets the tone for all, for all other relationships. And this greatest relationship of all is the relationship with Jesus Christ. It's where you've got to start. You want to fix your marriage? You've got to start with Jesus. You want to fix your relationship with your kids? You have to start with Jesus. You cannot do it on your own. What we've realized in this life, and man, I'm still figuring it out, is the more that I try to live in my own strength, the more that I fall on my face, the more that I mess up. You've got to come to the recognizes that it's okay that we don't have it all together because we serve a God who holds it all together. We serve a God who has the whole world in his hands, and that is amazing news. And so, man, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what you're dealing with. Maybe you feel hopeless. Maybe you feel unwanted. Maybe you feel afraid. Maybe you don't know what's going to happen. Maybe you're going through a situation right now that nobody else in your life even knows about. 
Maybe you're dealing with stuff that you thought you took care of years ago. And you're saying, man, Jesus, if you're that great, why haven't you taken this from me? And Jesus is asking you this morning, man, would you just be available to me? Would you just actually put my relationship front and center? See, he calls, he says he's the light to the world, and he's there for everyone. He draws everyone in. And so for some of us this morning, man, this is the first time you've heard this, that God would see you, and even in the midst of what you're going through, called you, called you love. That even in the midst of what you're dealing with, say that you can find hope in your hopelessness. That you can say, it is well, even though everything around me is going chaotic, everything around me is a circus, I can say, God, it is well. So we're going to pray here in just a second, and we're going to ask God to really just touch the hearts of those in this room who need to say, you know what, Jesus, I don't want you to just be a Sunday thing. I don't want you to just be a thing on the side. I want you to be something that's part of my life every single moment. And so across this room, if we could just close our eyes and bow our heads in this time of prayer. You don't have to pray along with us. If you're not quite sure, that's okay. But I just ask you to do this in respect of everyone around you. Because I believe that God has brought people here tonight to do a work in their heart that they've been praying for for years. You're saying, Jesus, just show up. He's here. And so right now across this room, if this is you and this is, man, you're like, man, I've never taken that first step. I've never taken the opportunity to really ask Jesus to come into my life and change me forever. If that's you this morning, I want you to pray a prayer like this. Listen, there's nothing magical about the words. It's believing it in your heart to be true that truly changes you forever. Here's the prayer. Lord Jesus, I mess up. I make mistakes. I can't do it anymore on my own. I don't want to feel alone. I don't want to feel abandoned. I want you to come into my life. I want to receive you, God. And so, Jesus, the best way I know how, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to come into my life and change me from the inside out. While every eye is closed and head is bowed across this room, while no one else is looking, just me so I can pray for you. If you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, could you just lift up your hand so I can see you? If you prayed that prayer for the very first time, you said, Jesus, I am done living it on my own. Maybe you're in this room and you're like, man, I've been living this Christian life for a while, but I've really lost sight of how great Jesus really is. I've kind of gotten into the routine of things. If that's you this morning, I want you to pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, I ask for you to come into my life and give me a refresh of who you are, God. I ask you to meet me where I am, Lord. I thank you for what you've done for me and help me to live it out each and every single day. In Jesus' name. Father God, I pray for every single person in this room, Lord, that as we get into this time of worship together, that we would sing these praises to you, not that they would just be lyrics on a screen, Lord, but that, that we would declare it as true, that we would speak it over our lives this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for checking out a sermon recorded right here at Wellspring Church in Tom's River. If it's your first time connecting with us, we'd love to stay connected with you. So don't forget to like and subscribe to this video. And then down in the description box below, there's ways to give online. There's our social media accounts. We'd love to stay connected with you throughout the week. We love and appreciate you, and we hope you have a fantastic week.